0: Welcome to UO Today. I'm Paul Pepys, director of the Oregon Humanities Center. My guests today are Lisa Hayamoto and Todd Milbourne. Hayamoto is a senior instructor of journalism at the University of Oregon. She oversees the School of Journalism and Communications Multimedia Storytelling Sequence, Gateway to Media, as well as experiential learning programs in New York, Cuba, and Sri Lanka. Milborn, also an instructor of journalism at the UO, is co-director of the School of Journalism and Communications' intensive one-year's master's program in journalism and the faculty advisor to Flux Magazine. As 2017-18 Ogora Faculty Innovation Fellows, Hayamoto and Milborn co-founded the 32% Project, a national community engagement project exploring what drives and disrupts trust in the news media. Thank you both for coming on the show.
1: Thanks like for having to us. Be here.
0: So first, Explain the title of the 32% Project. Where did that come from?
1: Sure. Um, So, Gallup conducted a poll in 2016 that revealed that just 32% of Americans had trust in the news media, um, which was an all-time low at that point. That number had been uh, going down year after year, after a peak, I believe, in the 70s. Um, But this was a new low, and uh, for many journalists it was startling. Uh, And it came at a time where uh, low trust in the news media was becoming evident in other areas of of journalists' experience um, and in the public sphere. So uh, we wanted to name our project after that as sort of a motivation to get that number up.
0: Mm -hmm. So so you implied that's the goal of the project, to figure out how to get that number up. So um, first let's talk about what did you find about why the public distrusts journalism? the
2: media? Well, it, there's really a lot of complex forces at play here, right? There's been a lot of technological change, where people are getting information is different, um, how they're consuming it, you know, the nature of communities and, and sort of transience in society has been uh, played a role. Um, so you have a lot of you have a lot of things going on. Um, I think you've also seen uh, you know changes in how uh, news organizations you know have often had uh, you know big local presence. We've seen because of economic forces a lot of pullback. Um, so there's really a, a complex stew of, of reasons for why why trust is declining, and of course. Trust is declining across a whole range of civic institutions. So journalism is not you know, by itself in this, but uh, a part of a, a group of institutions that are really struggling right now.
0: So tell us, um, to answer the question of how do you get that number up, what did you do?
1: Well, well the very first thing we did was actually reform our question. Mm. Um, our first sort of impulse was, okay, how can we get the public to trust journalists more? And the more we sort of explored that, the more we realized that we had it backward. Um, Because trust isn't something to ask for, it's something to earn. And so that was a really profound insight for us and it it, it completely flipped our approach to the project. Um, And so if if you are not a trusted institution, uh, we wanted to ask, okay, why? And what would that look like if you were? Um, So that changed the focus of our project onto citizens. Um, rather than sort of, there have been a lot of talk about sort of media literacy issues in terms of, okay, if if people don't trust journalism, maybe they don't understand it. Um, And we found that, in fact, they don't understand it. But if someone doesn't trust you, you can't just keep telling them that they should. You need to show them why they should and um, and earn that trust.
0: So, tell us uh, the methods that you used in the study. What did you do? Where, where, where did you go? Who did you talk to?
2: Yeah, well, we really wanted to get a true cross-section of, of people in the country. And so, we looked at uh, having workshops in different regions of the country, so we went uh, to California, uh, we were in suburban Los, Los Angeles, we were in Mississippi, Illinois, Massachusetts. So we really wanted to get a good sense of regional diversity, political diversity, big, big cities, small towns, suburbs, and all of that, and the way we approached the research was we really wanted to have community conversations. So, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, focus group research and, and we've been really interested in the idea of, of sort of a more engaged style of of journalism, and so we took some of those techniques, community conversations, small groups sharing back to the big group, um, and really wanted to make it a comfortable forum where people, you know, one of the challenges I think we have in in journalism is, is doing a better job of listening, and so we really tried to make these about communities coming together to listen to each other, and journalists being there to listen to those communities about what their concerns are.
0: So the report's subtitle is How Citizens Define Trust and How Journalists Can Earn It. So the first question is, what did you find about how citizens define tr- trust? What do they think trust means?
1: Sure. Um, we, we approached this from the lens that it's really hard to have sort of real, real feedback and real conversations when it comes to things like the media or concepts of trust which are very personally defined, they're differently defined, um, they're hard to wrap your arms around and especially when it comes to discussions about the media a lot of times people kind of retreat to camps Mm -hmm. or they have sort of like talking points that are hard to get past. Mm -hmm. So our approach for the project in general and then in the workshops in particular was to approach it from a place of discussing interpersonal trust who do you trust in your life? Mm. What institutions, what organizations, what people, why do you trust them? Um, And those conversations were incredibly illuminating Mm. because it took people out of sort of this political space, out of this sort of big picture space, and took it down to their personal lives. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I mean, anybody who chooses to engage in anything, it's, it's ultimately a very personal decision. And so we, um, we explored those aspects and were looking for um, metaphors uh, between how people talk about the trust in their lives and then how people might define um, sort of informational trust. And what we found is, I mean, kind of the things that you would think about interpersonal trust, um, I don't know if you'd like to talk about our six yeah. takeaways.
2: Yeah, you know, so we had these conversations, and they were, you know, we had a structure to them, but there was also a lot of give and take and back and forth, right? Um, so we, we, we transcribed those and looked at them, and we identified there were six themes that emerged uh, through those conversations of drivers of trust, and these are presented not just in a news context, right, but in, in terms of people's personal lives and, you know, organizations that they trust. Um, And those were authenticity, right? A sense of um, you know being real and and confident to share what you don't know as well as you do know. Uh, Transparency, right? Kind of letting people know what your 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 mission and your your methods are. Um, uh, Diversity uh, was a big one that we heard across all of the uh, conversations that we had. Was a big driver of of trust. Was a feeling of uh, being represented and reflected Uh, and the organizations you're dealing with. Uh, Positivity was another one that emerged, which was interesting in a journalistic uh, uh, context, Um, as well as a sense of shared mission. Um, You know, I think a lot of journalists have framed, uh, you know, their job as very much independent and as a degree removed from communities. Um, You know, that's how I came up in (laughs) my journalism training, you did as well. Uh, but when we went and talked with these communities and heard from them, you know, what we heard them say was very much they want to, they will be willing to trust an organization that that shares some values and shares uh, a similar, uh, similar values for the community going forward.
0: Okay, let's talk about some of these uh, mm-hmm. qualities um, one at a time. Um, so authenticity, let's start with that one. Okay, so, so uh, how does how does journalism become more authentic or mm-hmm. demonstrate more authenticity? How would yeah. you go? I mean, you, you're a journalist. How do you go about doing that?
2: <laughs> well, I'll, you know, I'll start with where one of the most poignant things I think somebody said about authenticity was uh, it was a conversation in, in Mississippi, and we were talking about you know person or organization that you trust, and uh, participant brought up his faith leaders mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at his local church, and said, you know what I. I I really trust my faith leaders. Okay, well, why? What makes you trusting of them? And he said, well, sometimes I'm wrestling with complex questions, and I'll go to them and ask them for their opinion, what they think, for some guidance, and they'll tell me that they don't know the answer, right? But here's some tools, go look it up, you know, do some research, kind of come back. And you know, I mean, you know, members of faith community, also journalism, right? There's a sense of authority there. Um, But this person thought it was very impactful to have, you know, that sense of authenticity, right? Confidence saying, I don't know uh, as much as what I do. So in a journalistic context, right? You know, breaking news is happening. You turn to the TV station that's got the scoop, that's got the exclusive, right? Um, You know, what would that look like, though, for news organizations to be more comfortable saying, well, we don't have all the facts yet. We're still waiting. We're talking to people. Here are some tools to go look up more information. Um, we think that's really an area worth exploring deeper.
0: Mm-hmm. So the second one um, was transparency. So what does that look like? What does this new transparent journalism look like? Sure.
1: That was one of the things that I think surprised us most as journalists uh, was how little people understand the journalistic process. Um, they don't know how a journalist goes about making decisions about what stories to do, where the information is, how it all comes together. Um, they really felt like it was a black box. Mm-hmm. And the more we thought about it, the more we realized, well, of course, um, just like any industry, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's lingo and there are processes that are not, uh, that are not viewable to everyone outside of that. And yet journalism is, its very mission is to serve the public. So those processes should be very transparent. Um, And what we heard over and over again is if I don't know sort of how the sausage is made, I'm not gonna eat the sausage. Um, And so uh, I think that 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 in many ways is sort of the easiest fix Mm. um, in terms of building trust. If journalists just put transparency at the heart of what they do, and you can show that in many different ways. For example, um, people don't understand what a news analysis is versus, versus like just a news story or an opinion piece or like a narrative feature or you know all these different things that journalists know. Um, and those are very different things. And so if you don't even know sort of what, what you're signing up for, um, of course you have some questions about it. Um, people wanna know who these journalists are that are bringing me this news. Where are they coming from? What's their perspective? They want to understand what some of the terms mean. Um, what does it mean to have an anonymous source? What does it mean to be off to, off the record? Um, in some cases, that's not even agreed upon in the, the journalism industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people were saying, "I see that that I'm hearing a soundbite," or uh, "I see that you've quoted someone there." Well, I would like I would like to know sort of I would t- like to take a look at that broader interview to see how you use these pieces. And it's certainly you know, time consuming, and it takes some, some forethought and some planning for journalists and news organizations. But um, you know, those, those things shouldn't be a secret. Mm-hmm.
0: So I think the next one is diversity. Mm-hmm. So um, diversity is one of those overwrought words now. And your, the way that you use that word, or the way that the, the, the citizens you spoke to use that word is somewhat different than the way that academics, I think, use it. So how do, how do you mean diversity, and what does this more diverse journalism, what would that look like?
1: Mm-hmm. I think people had a very broad view of the word diversity. Um, you know, many people did talk about it in terms of sort of racial and ethnic diversity, gender diversity. Um, but what we heard in every single community, as Todd mentioned, was they did not see themselves reflected in the news they consume. Now, some people meant they literally didn't see sort of people who looked like them or who seemed like they had, you know, a similar background. Um, but, but they really did mean it on a broad sense. They didn't see their lives reflected mm-hmm. there. And a lot of the people we talked to were... Um, I think very very insightful about some of the reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the reasons is very straightforward, is that there are some um, communities, some populations, they're very underrepresented in newsrooms. Um, For example, um, journalists of color. Uh, There've been a lot of efforts to increase that number um, and the numbers seem fairly stuck. Um, People from rural communities, Mm -hmm. um, people who have conservative political points of view, they, they are not not in newsrooms, um, but certainly uh, they're not as represented as they are, I think, across the general public. And so people really understood that when journalists come to a newsroom and they say, okay, you know, I've got this story idea, a lot of times those ideas come from their backgrounds, their experiences, their worldview. and if there aren't a diversity of those things in the newsroom, then there's only going to be a small subset of stories that are told. Um, and I, I, it was really fascinating how people really understood that aspect of sort of journalism story development. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know, there need, to be, there need to be other voices in there, there need to be new perspectives. Because if there aren't, then you're sending the message to communities that, that don't see themselves, that, that the news isn't for them. Um, and then another really interesting insight was people said, you know, and then everyone else is missing out on this really rich picture of American society.
0: So this one seems a particularly difficult one to solve, doesn't it? I mean, you said the transparency one is relatively easy to solve, but this one seems really hard to solve. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, do you have any ideas about, I mean, are there any, did any of the people you spoke to have like innovative solutions? I mean, they diagnosed the problem, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people have been struggling to solve that problem.
2: Mm -hmm. And that
0: one's a really hard problem to solve, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. And it's certainly, you know, tied to a lot of the other sort of structural inequities that we have in in society. One uh, interesting solution that we saw uh, in the course of our research was when we were in Boston, we partnered with an organization uh, there that was very much, views itself as a community organization that happens to do journalism. The way it builds community is by telling stories, sharing, perspectives from from people in different neighborhoods. And the way they view it is um, we we look for people who are in our community already, don't have a journalism training, didn't go to journalism school, might not have a college degree, um, and we bring them in and we train them up on the basic skills of journalism, right, of the craft. So you learn how to do interviewing, you learn how to take photos, you learn how to write in a way that's clear and, and, and compelling. And, and that was one way that they sort of solved that puzzle, is, you know, because every community's gonna look different, have different, you know, values and different histories and traditions, um, but if we could source more of the people who are contributing to our neighborhood, that that might be a way, uh, a way through it, because right now, a lot of the journalism, uh, you know, sort of the journalistic hiring model is to often find you know younger reporters who might hopscotch from one town to the next you put in a few years here put in a few years there right you're working your way to one of the big media capitals in new york or la right and and des moines is a stopover on on the way there Um, but if you could source more of your you know people producing the news who are rooted who might stay who might reflect uh, uh, different aspects of the community, then that, that could be, that could be, that's a compelling path to me. Mm.
0: The whole question of community engagement obviously is crucial to the account that you've mm-hmm. discovered. And, um, there, you know, you you just mentioned these structural issues, mm-hmm. and one of the things that people outside of journalism hear all the time now is, you know, local journalism has become economically unsustainable. Mm-hmm. So we're in Eugene, Oregon, and Gateway Media just Bought up the last locally owned newspaper, and you know, it's, and one of the few locally owned newspapers in the United States. And this is, you know, and you know, a national conglomerate, and and there are many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems, you know, and you know, if you look at the content of the Register Guard now, it's different than it was before. They have fewer local reporters. They rely more on the AP, more on the New York Times, more on the Washington Post. Um, I think many people would immediately agree, boy, it would be great if our news organizations were really more community focused, Mm -hmm. but they're going against this huge economic shift that's been happening in the consolidation of the news industry into these, I mean, just as you're describing Mm -hmm. newsrooms, news organizations are just growing into these gigantic megaliths that, so, is there a way to
2: deal with that? (laughs) I mean, mean, you really, you really, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the central question, I think, you know, facing, facing journalism uh, right now. And, and trust is connected to it. Um, so I think one thing to think about is there, there are different ways to run a business around journalism, right? A lot of the organizations that you're talking about here in town and elsewhere are run very much on an advertising-driven model, right? right? And advertising has always subsidized, you know, the news content. Right, um, very much, you know, the news story that was produced, you know, brought to you, uh, is just really funded by Macy's trying to get an, an ad to you, or, a, uh, um, uh, or, uh, or a, a classified ad, or something like that. Um, but where we see a lot of promise is, you know, if you start thinking about your primary business model being around membership. Mm-hmm or getting people to get involved, getting people not just to sort of passively pick up a newspaper, but maybe to come to a town forum or, uh, you know, participate by, you know, s- sharing their own story, something like that. Uh, this trust stuff becomes really central. So if you start doing deep community engagement alongside a membership driven business model, um, you might not have the, the broad reach that the older advertising based models have, but you might be able to go deep with some people in the community. If you can get that that balance right, um, you know, I think that that is not the solution, but maybe might, might be a solution.
0: So another one of the uh, points is a, a shared sense of mission. So what does that mean? And tell me about that. Uh, you know, what does that exactly mean? And how do you how might that be accomplished. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. I mean, talking about sort of the advertising-based economic models was uh, a, is a huge portion of what people were talking about when they were t- discussing a shared mission. Um, so, one aspect of that is people feel if the product itself is funded by advertising, then the product itself is aimed toward advertisers. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're serving advertisers, then you're not serving me. Um, and, it was it was really interesting. People had a very uh, sophisticated understanding of the economics of news and the disruption that's occurred mm-hmm. over the course of the last twenty years. They mm-hmm. really understood how it all fit together, and uh, and they basically felt like the public service mission of journalism was directly and sort of irreparably undermined by um, a, a profit private profit model. Um, and that gets back to that shared mission because they were like, if you're not serving me, then, then what are you doing? Um, so there was that asa- aspect of it, but then there was also that sort of um, more of a community-based aspect. So if you're talking about sort of a news, news organization that is owned um, by sort of an out-of-town, you know, big you know, corporation or conglomerate, then people very much felt like you're, you're not here for the community, you just happen to own a news organization in this community. Um, and even though the journalists are themselves from that community, um, getting back to a little bit of what Todd was talking mm-hmm. about, how um, reporters uh, in, in many cases have been sort of brought up to, to keep themselves at a remove, right? This notion of, you know, I'm kind of an outsider here mm-hmm. because I don't want to compromise your trust in me, by, um, by sort of taking a position of any sort. And what we heard from people is they were, they were pretty uninterested in that on a community level. Now, if you're gonna talk about sort of poli- political coverage or things like that, that's, you know, a different story. But, um, but on a community level, in, t- in terms of sort of community local journalism, they wanted to feel like the journalist at the school board meeting, like had a kid there mm-hmm. and had a dog in that fight and that people were doing journalism for the people in that community, not just about the people in that community. So
0: this gets to my next question, which is you, you, um, you recommend that news organizations employ solutions journalism, and I assume that's what you're talking about. So what is solutions journalism and how do you do that?
2: Yeah, so solutions journalism is, is just kind of a different frame for, for thinking about stories. Right? And, and I come, uh, you know, out of my, you know, my background and training was in investigative for pr- journalism, right? Which is always like, you know, the coin of the realm is highlighting the biggest problems affecting the biggest number of people, uh, you know, and, and dropping that on somebody's doorstep. Um, but I think what happens sometimes, right, is, you know, for the audience, you might throw up your hands, and you're just like, oh, here's yet another problem, right? This is happening. Uh, in my community, that's happening, this is happening in the world, and, and, and you feel a sense of powerlessness, mm-hmm. right? And so how can journalism reckon, wrestle with that? So what solutions journalism says is, let's just kind of shift the frame a little bit. Instead of leading with the problem, let's look at, uh, you know, say the problem is um, you know, something in the news like the opioid crisis, right? you know, major problem affecting a lot of communities across this country. Um, Traditionally, you would lead with that problem and then maybe down toward the bottom of the article, you know, here's another community who's dealt with it and and figured out a path forward. Solutions journalism says, hey, let's lead with those solutions. Let's report on them rigorously. What's working, what's not working. It's very data driven. It's very evidence based. Um, But it's a framing that allows people to feel like they can get involved, right? It, it takes into account the response from from the reader um, and, and wants to have them become a part of the, the conversation. Now
0: that seems to me to be a kind of shift that would be really not very difficult to make at all. I mean, you know, there's plenty, yeah. of, play, there's plenty of areas yeah. where serious problems are actually, you know, there are groups that are really trying to deal with these problems. It, it doesn't seem that hard to me to shift the way the story's written so that you lead with this, People that are dealing yeah, with Yeah, I don't solution. think so. I
2: mean, you're sitting there as a reporter <laughs> and then editor. You've got a screen in front of you and you're working on your your story. Just move these parts up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's think about the framing. Let's think about you know uh, how we're going to try to engage people around this. Yeah, it, that that it, that's a, uh, a <coughs> an easy fix, I think. Yeah.
1: Well, but I will say to, to many journalists, this sounds like activism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or this sounds like taking a position of some right. sort. And um, I I think. Certainly you can view it that way, but that's not how I would view Mm -hmm. it. I would view it as just telling the story from a slightly different lens. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there are people in the journalism community who aren't quite understanding sort of what this means and are therefore a little resistant to it, Um, which kind of gets back to that sort of sense of shared mission, right? And the positivity that you had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Because people were really clear, they don't like, they find the news to be too negative. Um, and they find it to be depressing and disempowering, um, and I think solutions journalism is a powerful way forward. People were also really clear that they don't want, you know, puppies and kitten type <laughs> stories, <laughs> right. you know.
0: That's how positive journalism seems to get defined too often. And now.
1: that's exactly right. right, but that's just, that's thin, that's thin journalism, yep. but it, it doesn't mean that it can't be rigorous.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, and I like how you pointed out, you know, a sense of resistance or feeling of, of discomfort. And I would argue that feeling a little bit of that right now is, is, is good, <laughs> right? When we look at some of these trust numbers, when we look, about, look at the, the situation that, that journalism is having to deal with, um, you know, it's a really important critical time to be challenging some of these fundamental assumptions, right? Not in, in not throwing anything away necessarily, but, but taking a fresh look at what do we do, why do we do it, how can we do it better?
0: So we have one minute. <laughs> Last question, not a lengthy response. Um, tell me one thing that surprised you uh, about the results of the, of the, of the report. Hmm.
1: We were, uh, on a sort of a personal level, we were very surprised with how willing people were to talk to us. Hmm. Um, I feel like there's a sense of intractability right now in terms of public conversations. We had some very difficult, very fraught conversations with people who fundamentally disagreed with each other and with some of the things mm-hmm. that we were bringing to the table, and yet, having a congenial face-to-face conversation with people who are ultimately just trying to make their community, their lives, the world better, um, it was really, really heartening. And if there's one way forward for anybody who wants to discuss this sort of difficult situation, I think it's it's engaging with people authentically and and with with good intent.
0: Well, on that um, very hopeful note, (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank you both for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been a really fascinating conversation and the work is really interesting.
1: Well, thank you so much. We're so delighted to be here. Yeah, we
2: appreciate it, Paul.
0: I've been speaking with Lisa Hayamoto and Todd Milborn, journalism instructors in the U of O's School of Journalism and Communication. They developed the 32% Project, a national community engagement project exploring what drives and disrupts trust in the news media. Thanks so much for watching.